Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. back this is become a bat and we're doing a bonus bat today um i'm your host tom and i'm mike and today we're gonna be talking about the the new runs it's it's been like a couple months almost since they came out but uh scheduling issues have made it so we haven't really had a much chance to talk about them uh until now uh, we're still working things out but uh today we're gonna be talking about Batman 125 and Detective Comics 1062. Uh, they're both new runs. Um, new creative teams, new right? Creative Not a sequel teams. to anything. Yep, yep. It's kind of a fresh, fresh-ish start. I mean, there's, there's definitely leaving off from where they are currently in the, uh, the mainline, which not like neither me and Mike are really too up to speed on everything. Yeah, I'm not that invested in any of the current storylines going on. So yeah, I think th- this is why I, th- I thought uh, new creative teams—they both launched the same month. Good time to pop back in and right. have our bonus thing. It's just a once a month thing, so we're we're planning on trying this at least once a month. As as of recording, uh, Batman 126 and Detectives uh, 1063 are out. We haven't read them yet. I have them, so we'll... Um, yeah, we'll read them. Yeah, we wanted to record this one first and then kind of think about how it's going to go and then um, read those, and we'll get that out as soon as we can. Our original plan was to have our buddy Paul uh, join us, but he's been super busy with work and other life things, so um, he's more familiar. I know he's more familiar with Chip Zdarsky and like the the current teams so Raphael Albuquerque or whatever I I know Raphael Albuquerque from his Blue Beetle days Yeah Oh and Dave Stewart I know that's a name too He's been giving Paul's been giving a lot of modern comic books that are not Batman but mm-hmm. are by the creative teams that are writing modern Batman stuff so yeah. I know he'd be a really good person to have on here Yeah so we're not ignoring the new teams we just uh we're going to wait for Paul to get on so he can talk more passionately about them Yeah this is our first Time talking about a new issue of Batman, something not from the Golden Age, and it's not a story we're very familiar with. I mean, it's still ongoing, so... You know what I kind of want to do? Mm. I think you should read your synopsis, mm-hmm. and then I want to flip through this comic page by page very briefly and just make commentary on the art and, like, the modern touches. That would be great. Because yep. there's a lot of things in here that would never exist in an old Batman comic because they're recreations of things that were done way later. Yeah, definitely. 
Yeah. All right. So yeah, let's. I'll get on the synopsis. It's not going to be a super long one. Um, modern comics aren't as like dense as the golden age stuff is, and even the silver age. Um, since it's more of like a smaller story stretched over many issues, they're not too self-contained. Well, yeah, and there's a lot more visuals. Yeah, too. yeah it's not so simple. There's way more details. Yeah, if I mean, if I can describe it, like the art is like wider. If that makes sense. Yeah. You know, you have, uh, I mean, a whole panel, a whole page can be just like one panel, um, yeah. rather than the golden age where it just it's it, more yeah, structured. Panel 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 panel, 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 panel. Yeah. yeah. So let's get into the synopsis. Batman responds to a call about a hitman. He throws the gunman out the window only to discover only to discover that he was too late. He already killed his two targets and they end up being friends of Bruce Wayne. There's friends, a married couple named Colin and Clara. And he interrogates the hitman about who sent him and he finds out that it's the penguin. Penguin puts out a tape saying that he plans on killing every wealthy person in Gotham who's ever inherited over $5 million, unless they give away their fortunes. I'm going to interrupt you for a second. Yeah. Talking about it like this on this podcast, I know you're describing this modern comic, but you're making it sound like an old Golden Age Batman story. It's really weird. Yeah, that's that's tough to get out of. I don't know if I, I know, want to. I know, it is. Yeah. Like, the story itself, the bare bones, makes it feel like an old story. Yeah, you know, that's the, I think that that's what, what's great about Batman, is that, like, even though, like, this is an issue that came out, like, barely a few months ago, Yeah. it's, you know, Batman just kind of eternal it's timeless that's true continue anyway <laughs> so batman and robin who's uh this version of robin is tim drake uh they come to the conclusion that penguin is going to gas up a gala so batman goes in as bruce wayne while robin sneaks inside and he disables the gas device hooked up to the boiler penguin penguin shows up and announces that he's going to kill everyone but he is thwarted when his gas doesn't go off as planned. Bruce puts on a cowl and his belt uh, that Tim had hidden at the, at the gala and attacks Penguin. Robin jumps in and starts attacking Penguin's goons. Batman grabs Penguin and Penguin starts to melt. It turns out he's been Clayface posing as Penguin. Not the first time. Not the first time. This. Yep, yep. Which um, so far, I mean, even going back to... Uh, the Golden Age, mm-hmm. both villains who've both uh, been there. Different different Clayface, but Clayface. Yeah. So where was I? Mm-mm-mm. So Batman orders Robin to open up the sealed doors uh, so that people can escape. Batman tells Clayface that at some point in the past, he had injected Clayface with a formula that can turn his clay into an explosive. So he tells him to reveal Penguin's location or he'll blow him up. Robin goes to blow open one of the doors when one of the goons gets up and shoots him through the neck. Batman Batman gets Robin and he uh, books it to the Batmobile. Uh, Because there's very little time and he he can't fix him up himself or take Robin to Leslie Tompkins, he removes the Robin outfit and takes Tim to the hospital. After this, Batman uh, fully... Wow, am I like... uh, the autocorrect, like, butchered that uh, sentence there. <laughs> uh, so Batman fully dresses up, and because uh, at this point he was just in his cowl and like, the belt. Um, Batman fully dresses up, and he visits Penguin, who's in another hospital room, dying of cancer. Penguin presses the call button and then ingests a cyanide capsule. A nurse comes in to see Batman fleeing, thinking that he had murdered Penguin. 
word spreads and that Batman had murdered the penguin somewhere. And then somewhere deep inside the now abandoned Batcave, a giant capsule opens up and an Android named Failsafe emerges. End of part one. Yeah. I'm really curious to see where that goes. Um, I'm going to flip through the book here yeah. page by page and just sort of like make commentary and then we can discuss it if there's more to discuss. Okay. Yeah. So. I, I actually have some thoughts that like, cause I wrote this up like when I read the issue like a month or so ago. Yeah. And now that we've read, uh, in, we just read it through Penguin's very first appearance. Yeah. It brings some I'm, stuff up. And it was also a frame up. Mm-hmm. Like, wow. Okay. <laughs> Oh, yeah, that's pretty much my thought. There. This is definitely a throwback. I mean, yeah, there's a they just introduced a robot in the Batcave, so yeah. that's that's a little unique. But other than that, this is kind of a throwback to the older Batman stories, more classic Batman stories, because the story starts in the Batcave and they show you a clear shot where you can see the giant dinosaur, the Joker card, and the giant penny in the background, mm-hmm. right? Which is not something that they've been doing a lot with modern comics. Um, but the Joker card doesn't look like the original Joker card. It's got like a more photorealistic version of the Joker's mm. face on it. Oh, um, I don't know if you know, but I know in the comics before this, just from a little thing as I know, uh, Bruce Wayne's lost his fortune. Yeah, I know. They, okay. brought, they brought that up, yeah. Okay, okay, yeah. So not all of it, though, just some of it. Oh, not okay. I, I don't know how much he actually has and how much he doesn't. It just kind of... He basically said that like even if he attends this gala, he still qualifies to be on Penguin's list. Ah, okay. So, so still, he's still got, still got enough. But, uh, I mean, if anything, he had enough stuff to get his money. Oh, yeah. Get some money back. But so anyways, we have this shot of the Batcave showing off all these things. And then if you pay close attention, the way that the Batcave computer is set up very much resembles the 89 movie. Hmm. Right. With it being up on a pedestal and having to, like, take, like, a platform to get up to it. Mm -hmm. And then it shows two Batmobiles in the background, one of which is the 89 Batmobile and one of which is the Batmobile from Batman v Superman. Oh, cool. They're obscured, but that's what they are totally. And then we see on the bench here, uh, Alfred's cleaning up Batman's energy drink cans, which I don't think Batman would drink energy drinks, but, you know, who, who's to say? Um, and then did it you shows... Say, did you say Alfred? Yeah. Alfred's dead. Did... He's right there. What? Oh, oh, that's right. That's right. This is a flashback scene. <laughs> I forgot. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, but then we see Batman's, like, chest piece and, like, his helmet on the table and there's like wires running to them mm-hmm. you can tell he's trying to put some sort of technology in there which is cool yeah and then that is like already leading towards like the reveal of the robot because you see like mm-hmm. the beeping and like alfred's walking towards this beeping with the red light coming out and then it cuts to bruce wayne's dream so like is that a flashback or is that a flash forward i think it's supposed to be a flashback we'll see when we get to the next couple issues but mm. then we see this dream that batman is having with the three jokers in it and, like, you've got all of his allies dead on the ground. You know, like, Catwoman, all the Robins. I guess that's all it is. Catwoman and all the Robins. Maybe Huntress or something. It's kind of hard to tell. But at least they're all there. And then he's talking about how he never dreams unless he wants to dream. But, like, why would he dream about that? Yeah. So I think they were trying to show, like, right off the bat that he's, like, a little bit out of control of his senses. Um, I also like that this story features Penguin, Joker, and Catwoman, and Clayface. They're all classic villains. From yeah. The, like, his first villains, right? Um, in So, I did read a little bit of Rebirth. I don't know how this all ends, but basically, um, when they did the, the Rebirth era, there was the, the Batman comics and then the Detective comics. The mm-hmm. Detective was, like, more focused on uh, uh, Batman's, his, like, Bat family and, like, this new team he could put up with him Right. Uh, di- I, I read like all that stuff. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So we're coming off of Clayface. He used to be an ally of uh, Bruce. I don't know. Yeah. What? How that ended? What the status is? I, if Paul were here, I'd ask him. I could always just look it up, but 
I'd have to refresh kinda, my memory. Yeah. But I actually enjoyed those runs. They were very different, but I, I did enjoyed too. Them. Yeah, I, I want to finish that sometime. Yeah. Um, this one, like, again, I don't remember seeing this much in recent Batman continuity, but you have just Bruce Wayne standing there in his underwear. Mm-hmm. Um, and he wears briefs, guys. <laughs> <laughs> not boxers, not boxer briefs. Um, but they introduce right here that he's got a relationship with Selena that's like mm-hmm. got a history to it, but it's they're still friendly enough to where he can just call her and she's asleep and she'll just wake up and answer the phone, even though her boyfriend's in the room with her. Yeah, I think so. she's got like an open relationship thing going yeah. on. And apparently like their relationship's not quite over, but it's also not current. Yeah. And then they do this really cool thing. They do two cool things here. They do one where Bruce Wayne walks up to a window and he puts his arm against the side of the window and rests on it. And then it shows half of his body in dark and half of his body in light to mm-hmm. show that he's sort of like in between two states. Yeah. And then it does another cool thing here where the shadow is cast across his face to make it look like he's wearing the Batman mask. Oh, that's a good good die for detail there. Right. Huh. Um these next couple of pan- like these next couple of pages just kind of like show a sequence of events of Batman arriving on a crime scene, but they're done in a really cool way because they use the police lights as a sort of like um to like diffuse other lights in the city. So like as Batman's gliding to the building from in the sky, you see like blue casting off of his body from the blue police lights. And as you see like the close-ups on the cops, you see blue coming from one side and red coming from another, mm. which is really cool. And then I also love the way Batman in, like, introduces himself to this criminal by appearing in the darkness at the end of the hallway and just his eyes showing. Yeah. It, it's reminiscent of a lot of Batman moments, but uh, they do that in the Batman too. Yeah, I love that. Like, what, yeah. was, what was he Batman saying? It was like really like, I know I saw that in a preview before this issue came out, and I'm like, yeah, this super is super cool. Yeah. yeah, it was really good. And then uh, like the criminal like pulling the gun on him, and then he immediately fires his grappling hook into the guy's hand to make the guy drop the gun, and then uses the his own speed of running as well as like pulling the guy towards him to close the gap as fast as possible. Mm -hmm. And then he kicks the guy or punches the guy. It's kind of unclear out of a window and then leaves him hanging there on the side of a building, which is amazing. Then he makes his way downstairs to try to like save this couple only to find them already dead. Yeah. And they do one of those Batman animated series sort of like, Oh my God, like his eyes open really wide, which Mm -hmm. uh, I love that kind of stuff. Um, but it also the couple are like holding hands. I don't know if you noticed that. I did. So it's unclear as to whether he actually killed them or whether it was something else. Right? Well, no, no, no. He he definitely killed them. It's just that like they were kind of. But maybe they didn't die right away and they like held hands and then died slowly. Maybe I, I think he like held them hostage. No, it was because it was a hostage situation too. It was. Yeah. So I think he had them hostage before he killed them, and then yeah. he killed them. We have a very Frank Miller thing happen here, where this guy is like hanging out the window by one arm from the grappling hook. And then instead of Batman pulling him up through the window, he just crashes through another window one story below and pulls the guy back in, which is really cool. And then starts screaming at him like, who sent you here? You know, which also feels very Frank Villery. Yeah. And then we have this little sequence of the Penguin. They do this a lot in Batman comics and movies too, like where a villain records a video for somebody, you know, so that's nothing too impressive. But one thing I really noticed about this version of the Penguin is that he's drawn to resemble Danny DeVito's Penguin. Yeah, but he has all like the more modern trappings, like the way his costume is done. But he's got the flipper hands and he's got the sharp teeth. Mm-hmm. He definitely looks like that penguin. Yeah, they definitely want him to be more that like freaky, like goblin mode. Yeah, penguin. This Batman here in these comics too is living kind of a little more like uh, casually. You know, it kind of kind of more like how Robert Pattinson's Batman is living in the Batman, where he's kind of just living in the small little like workshop type thing too yeah i get the feeling that he's like really he's in a low point in his life and it's it's about to get lower it seems like that i mean he's like he's still hanging out in the bat suit he's not hanging out as bruce wayne yeah but he doesn't have his belt on he doesn't have his gloves on he's a little casual here um 
I, I love that you just see like his gear kind of scattered all over the place, which shows that he's not in the right mindset because mm-hmm. normally everything is so organized and like methodical. Yeah. He's kind of just letting things go right like, now. Even the beginning, the flashback at the beginning kind of serves to show like how things were in better times and now, right. and now they're not. It's not. You know. yeah. Then we get to see him utilizing Bruce Wayne. And I think this might be reactionary. I don't know how long ago the story was written, but like a lot of the comments that people had with the new Batman movie was that like Bruce Wayne doesn't exist and what a waste of a character and like mm-hmm. they should like you can't tell the difference between the two. And here you very cla- clearly have him being like, yeah, I need to be Bruce Wayne more because Bruce Wayne is a tool that I need to be able to take advantage of. Yeah. And then you see him go out on the town as Bruce Wayne and just go on a date and then immediately ditch his date to go try to like like Batman be Superman to try to go do something in the mm-hmm. background and then show back up with her. So they really do make a point of showing how Bruce Wayne is a tool. And I like that him and Tim work so well together that Tim is sort of like behind the scenes. He like puts the utility belt in the ceiling panel in the bathroom. Yeah, I like the, the I love the dynamic between they got the two a really of them. really good dynamic. And that's that's something I made a comment on too. And this is like I really like the Batman and Robin dynamic. It feels right. And you know? now it's gonna after uh, the bullet. Oh, mm-hmm. that's just gonna oh, like yeah. wreck wreck Bruce even more. This this book has a lot of like Batman tropes from really good Batman comics like. This stuff with him like hiding the belt and him getting the belt in like in the middle of a gala becoming mm-hmm. Batman that feels very like like golden or silver age Batman yeah. to me. Um, and then the the whole idea of like a villain presenting himself to this party full of rich people and then like trying to murder them all that's happened so many times. Like yeah. this, the most famous example is the Dark Knight with the Joker. Yeah, this could have easily right. been like a scene in the the Dark Knight if they wanted to throw Penguin into that universe. Yep. And here we have Robin dispersing anti-gas gas into the gas chamber. Mm-hmm. That feels very classic and old school. Yep. <laughs> and then Batman, like, not dressing up in his full bat suit, but rather, like, just throwing a mask on and, like, having the utility belt and some batterings. It feels weird. Like, I don't, I like it, but it's really weird. I, I've never seen this. It kind of reminds me of, uh, like, the Grant Morrison run. At one, I was going to say, yeah. yeah it when, definitely seems Grant Morrison. He's just kind of like... It's not not pirate Batman, but I kind of thinking of like he pirate. Do, he Batman. totally looks like Batlash or whatever his name is, the pirate Batman. Yeah, yeah, I, I definitely got that too. I was actually going to say that next because I just showed you that other Batman pirate mm-hmm. comic run from yeah, what's where it's just kind of like artist. he's just an adventurer, you know, yeah. white suit. I mean, white white just white shirt, but uh, yeah. with cowl and it also is very Zorro-y. Yeah, you know, which is a clear inspiration for Batman from mm-hmm. the beginning. So. Um, I thought that was cool. And the way his mask is designed, too. Did you notice that, like, his mask is designed sort of like the Batman or Adam West, where it has, like, the circle part? The circle where you can... That has, like, the stitching? Yeah. Yeah, and they're not... And this could just be because it he's throwing the mask on in the middle of this gala, mm-hmm. but he doesn't have the black around his eyes. He has clear... He has, like, yeah. skin tone between the mask and his eyes, which is a creative choice. I think a lot of these things are probably creative choices, but we won't be able to tell until later. So, but I like that a lot. I thought that was cool. And yeah. then Robin getting shot, like Robin's been shot. All Robins have been shot multiple times, I feel like. But like his reaction to it also feels very golden age. Mm-hmm. Like to the times where we had the same reaction between Robin and Batman when Batman got killed and Batman yeah. and Robin when Robin got killed. So I can I f- only imagine that he's going through major PTSD right now. Yeah, like this this in the one issue we read where in the golden age where uh, Robin Dick gets like really injured in the head, mm-hmm. and Bruce, uh, Batman thinks he's dead. Like that one was like a whiplash from him being like on the top of the world, you know, like oh things are going great, just yeah. sent him out, and then him like going into like a boiling like rage mode. This this one he's already at a low point, and I think it's gonna just like yeah make it go even lower. He doesn't go into a, like 
uh, you're looking at right now, does he like rage out or he seems more focused on? He screams his name at the top of his lungs and then he starts like running towards him. Yeah, I think um, at this point he knows like the mission's kind of like I gotta abort the mission. We gotta yeah. I gotta do everything I can to rescue Robin because he actually in this one he has a he was actually fortunate to be there and see it happen. Well, I think this plays into what you were saying where like he and Clayface were allies for a while yeah. because he makes a comment about how he's like last time we interacted it wasn't great but yeah. I did something to you to make it so that you're more explosive so if you don't do what I say I'm going to blow you up. Yeah, and Clayface w- is like really. Yeah, <laughs> I, w- I wonder like if that happened during that run. Yeah. Because it, like, also shows that, like, Bruce wasn't as trusting as he, like, let on. Yeah, it might be. Yeah. But then I love the fact that he, like, he trusts Clayface enough to know that he's going to respond well to his threat and that he can literally just run off with Robin and leave everybody behind that Clayface will protect them all from the falling debris. Yeah. Which is exactly what happened. There's still a little bit of it left there, but, like... Yeah, but still, in general, Clayface is like, okay, fine, I'll save these people. Yeah, it's, it's complex. Um, then you have like Batman driving with Robin in the vehicle as they're heading towards the hospital and he's reminiscing about times in the past when Robins have been hurt and how he didn't do it right and he should have done it right and he's mm-hmm. going to do it right this time. And it even shows how he has to like take Tim's body and like move it to another location, yeah. you know, and how that haunts him because he couldn't just like do things correctly. Yeah, he's got to leave it in somebody else's hands and he doesn't get to see who does it. Yeah. I also like the little details like when he runs over to Tim bleeding on the floor, he slaps like a giant band-aid thing over his throat where he shot. Yeah. Um, and then like when they're driving the Batmobile, uh, they show like a heads up display on the window of the map of Gotham city. So he like, he basically always has a map at all times mm-hmm. showing where he is. Um, I wonder if this is going to compromise Tim's identity. Yeah. They, they briefly mentioned that. So it might, I guess we'll find yeah. out. Um, I guess we'll see. Also, the mention of Leslie Tompkins. I don't think she's been in modern Batman comics. She was in Batman comics in the late seventies and early eighties. She she was uh she was she was a p- big part even through like the early two thousands. I guess they bring her back periodically. Yeah, she they, comes and goes. Yeah, I remember they did like throwback. a. Re- I remember they did a really heinous thing with her during War Games where she refused to, uh, save uh, who was Cassandra? Yeah, and not, was not not Cassandra. No, I think it was Cassandra. No, it was the uh, the blonde Robin. Oh, Stephanie Brown. Stephanie, yeah. The spoiler. She she like she was dying or something, and he like she like straight refused. It was a really bad, weird, really bad issue. Um, here we have this conversation between uh, Penguin, who's like in the hospital bed, yeah. and then Batman standing over him, and like basically he's saying like Clayface gave you up, you know, because he's not like truly a criminal. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like you should have hired somebody better, and then uh, Penguin. Tells him that he's dying from mercury poisoning. And then they have this conversation back and forth where uh, Penguin accuses Batman of being basically like rich and spoiled, you know, and like not being able to be who he is without his money. And Batman's just like, You were born with money too. Yeah. Like, you're not one to talk. And then he's like, I was born with money, but no one ever listened to me. And I had to force my, I had to force people to listen to me. Even with all that money, I still had no power, you know. So I thought that was pretty cool. And then obviously he takes the pill and then Batman dips. Right as he pushes the button to call in the mm-hmm. the um, hospital workers, and then they walk in on Batman, like basically trying to do like CPR, like get the cyanide out of him somehow, and think that he killed him, which forces Batman to jump out the window and like f- like glide down to the streets below, which then leads into the whole like robot coming up out of the floor in the Batcave thing. I'm really interested to see where that goes. Like, why are we introducing this robot Batman? I hope if they're going to go in the direction I think they're going to go, that they kind of 
uh, reference like Heart of Steel, mm-hmm. you know, and like go with like a feeling robot, you know, who doesn't realize that it's not Batman or something. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, cool. I keep thinking Kingdom Come where, you know, at that point, Bruce is, uh, he's got, the, you know, the robot, mm-hmm. the robot's basically patrolling Gotham, doing his job for him. Yeah. He like does it, pilots him remotely or has an AI, but we'll see. I don't think it'll be a benevolent robot. Probably and not. Or even if it thinks it is, it probably wouldn't be. Yeah. We we see that it was like hidden away in like a part of a bat cave. So I wonder if it was like something like a failed experiment and now it's just kind of like a ghost of his past haunting him. It's got to be something like that. Or no, it does have to be something like that. Because when it shows the flashback, it's there, but it hasn't erupted. And then now we're in current day with it still being there. And it finally comes up through like the floor, mm-hmm. which means that they like paved over it or something. So be interested to see where that goes. That was the wrong one. Uh, You're good. The only other thing I was going to mention... What are you looking for? The mid-roll. Oh. Oh, there you go. Uh, Lower. Okay. Yeah, the only other thing I was going to mention is that, like, clearly the Penguin is a throwback to Batman Returns, but so is the introduction of having Catwoman in it Mm -hmm. as, like, a vital part of the story and the way that Batman's gloves are designed and, like, the showing of the Batmobile and the way the Batcave is designed. So, you know, Say say all that stuff over again because I'm going to just... Oh, okay. We did it too early because I forgot we had like more more, more thoughts. You're fine. That was it. Um, I was gonna say that, like, yes, Penguin's design is based off of Batman Returns, but little nods are in there as well. Like Batman's gloves are designed based mm-hmm. on Batman Returns. They show the Batmobile from Batman and Batman Returns in the background, and then they the way that the Batcave itself is set up in the flashbacks is reminiscent of Batman Returns. Yeah, all just with the trophies thrown in. So, yeah, I'm, I like I said, outside of that, I'm really enjoying that. Uh, I mean, like, is this going to be Penguin's final appearance? Probably in this run, but I do like that it's true to his first appearance in a very strange way. Yeah. Like, he's setting up Batman. He's using his appearance to deceive people in multiple ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm looking forward to seeing that and seeing where the uh, the robot plays into it. I think that's it for that story. Yep. Uh, we're going to take a break and then we'll get into Detective Comics 1062. So weird to say that. I know. Detective Comics 1062. Uh, this is written by Ram the Fifth. I'm unfamiliar with that with that name. Um, so we'll look in if we if we can't get Paul here, we'll definitely look into everybody. Is it the fifth or is it like a V? Like it's a V. Yeah, so it could be like short for like some really long name that starts with a V. Yeah. Um, art by Raphael Albuquerque, Dave Stewart, and Ariana Maher. And um, they're a good team. They work really well together. Yeah. And the cover, let me open this up here. I thought I had the name of the cover artist because it's a different artist. Let's see. 
the cover is done by Evan e- Evan Cagle. It's cool ass Cag- cover. Cagle. I'm butchering all these names, but yeah, that cover is really gorgeous. Yeah, it is. It's great. And I feel like the cover is leading into something too because it's showing Batman holding a red cowl that has a different mm-hmm. shape from his own and no mouth. Yeah. It does kind of feel like... It kind of seems like Batman's going to be throwing away the yeah, identity and becoming has, something new. I don't know if that's his symbol poking through because it's sheer fabric or if that's just another costume he's wearing that has his own bad symbol. Yeah, I don't know, but, but. it's very evocative. Yep. All right, so we're going to do um, synopsis and... Actually, I'm liking this this format that we got. Yeah, mine's more focused on the art yeah. and like references and yours is focused on like breaking yep. the story down. Um. And oh, I forgot to mention. Um, both of these have backup ish backup stories. Um, we'll we'll cover them another time. Uh, the one for Batman is uh pretty interesting. It's uh Selena getting uh hired to track down uh Penguin's children, his the, the beneficiaries to his will. Mm-hmm. So that I'm interested to see where that goes. We'll we'll we'll, we'll cover that. Um, and then. The one for Detective, something with with Gordon. I don't I don't remember the plot to that one. It's been like a month, but yeah, I love the artwork in that one though. The art is gorgeous, so we will we'll definitely be covering those. And then uh, time to get into the synopsis. All right. So Batman is patrolling the East Side dockyard. He's particularly concerned about monitoring his vitals. He swoops down and he attacks some goons. He encounters Bruno Morono. Moroni? Mar- it's Moroni. My autocorrect on the tablet messed up again. Morono. <laughs> it says Morono, but uh, it's Moroni. But he's the nephew of uh, mobster Sal Moroni. But uh, Bruno turns into a weird monster man zombie thing. <laughs> um, Batman fights him for a bit when Talia Al Ghul shows up out of nowhere and shoots an arrow through the monster's head. Talia tells Batman that uh, the creature was older than even the Lazarus pits and gives him a cryptic warning uh, that more are coming. Batman returns to his brownstone, looks over his vitals, and runs some lab results. Nothing out of the ordinary, but in a phone call to Nightwing, he tells him that he feels that something is off. Bruce muses over a strange old box, testing it, trying to figure out what it is, where it comes from. Uh, Meanwhile, at the Oregon Palace... Svarstal, uh, the name's Svarstal. Again, I'm butchering all these names, but <laughs> I think um, you got it. I think I got it. Um, she's she's a woman who gives her son Arzen a scroll that grants him a deed to Gotham City and the mayorship somehow. Mm-hmm. Um, they're trying to their goal is to rebuild a lost legacy. Back in Gotham, Bruce sits alone at his desk when the ghostly figure of a bat's arm bursts through his chest. A man bat emerges and embraces Batman, and um, he whispers something about Barbatos. Bruce wakes up from the nightmare, and he hears a tune playing. The strange cube he was musing over opened up, revealing itself to be a music box. And that's the end of the synopsis. Part, part so one. Simple. Yeah. I mean, I'm breaking it down to like kind of barest form. Yeah. Um, which is fine. Which is fine. Yeah. Like the, I really like the intro though with that opera. Yeah. So the name of the, uh, opera that they're singing is La Riga and Riga is a Greek mythological hero identified as Erichthonius of Athens. He's the Chthonic son of Hephaestus raised by the goddess Athena. 
Um, he's born from the dirt, sort of like Wonder Woman. Oh. So hmm. he's like a hero born of unnatural circumstances. Hmm. So I feel like that's a nod to who, to what? Who knows? Yeah, it doesn't really seem to have any parallels to Bruce, but maybe it it'll might be have more parallels parent. to this new villain that they're yeah. introducing here. But uh, the book starts, yeah, with like a creepy dark shot of the gothic house and from an alleyway where you can see the posters for La Riga, the opera. And then it cuts to somebody walking through like a pile of corpses while there's clapping. Um, and then uh, somebody in the play reciting lines from the play. I feel like every element of this book could be broken down, especially when it's completed, because there's a lot of references to things. But mm-hmm. basically, like as he's like holding this woman who's dying, he's talking about... Um, this demon breathing down upon his neck and the smell of terror and shadows. He's basically describing Batman as this giant bat like demon thing sort of comes out from the shadows behind him and is like touching the back of his head. And then it cuts to show uh, an empty opera seat reserved for Bruce Wayne. Who's not there while the actor is screaming, answer me because he's talking to Batman directly, you know, mm-hmm. while also like reciting this play. Yeah. It's really interesting how he's doing two things at once. Um, and then we cut to like the actual, opening of the book so that's almost so like an elongated splash page with batman perched on top of a gargoyle like batman does his gloves in this are also a reference to batman returns because he's got the same striations on the top and the same knuckles like the same design um his, that's probably the only nod that i've noticed in this one though mm. that's one that they like to pick up a lot on yeah that and the boots too they did the boots and the gloves in the three jokers hmm. um, and then we have batman take his like death-defying leap off the top of a tall building but he, I like that before he does it here, he's not just taking this leap blindly. He's like got it all calculated out how long it's going to take him to land so that he knows that he has enough time to hit the ground running before people start firing at him. Yeah, I like that he's like testing himself a lot. Yeah. Um, and then we see like that the thugs have even gotten to the point where they've put up like laser grids so that even when Batman comes in like from the sky, they still are like alerted. Mm-hmm. You know, so he can't sneak up on them anymore. Yeah, they're then, they're adapting. Yeah, but then he makes a point of being like, makes my job easier. They know I'm coming. And then he just still kicks all their asses. So I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, he, utilize, he utilizes like all of his technology, like his basic technology here, like pretty quickly, um, including like batterings to knock out multiple people. And then he times himself exactly how long it takes to jump from the top of the building, mm-hmm. glide down, knock out the guys, and then be done. Yeah. And then we have Bruno Maroney approaching... Uh, or at least what appeared to be Bruno Maroney before he transforms into some sort of monster and starts breathing out what looks like Lazarus pit goo, like all that greenish stuff. And then he just starts knocking Batman around, like ragdolling him. He even mentions how he broke through this suit without effort, which means that like the suit he's wearing has armor and technology under it, right? It's not mm-hmm. just like a bad suit, like a spandex bad suit, which they've been alluding to that for a long time in modern comics, that his suit has other things going on. Yeah. So, but then he's like, you fought worse, probably referencing Bane or like, you know, Doomsday or many of the other villains that are huge, like, or Solomon Grundy even, you know, like, and then he talks about in his own head, he's describing how he fights back and how he has to work fast to keep him off balance so that he can't gain his footing correctly so that he can't use his weight against him. So he, he talks to himself like an MMA fighter in that instance, like how to keep yourself in the, in advantage and not be disadvantaged by your opponent. Um, and then we see somebody fires like an arrow through the head of the beast from like a shipping container across the yard who Batman's unaware of who it is, follows them. And it's revealed to be Talia wearing some kind of like cool silvery armor. And then they have a conversation about how, um, Batman has his like 
his method, you know, like his no kill method and stuff and like how he has to follow the law. And she talks to him about how that worked back in the day, but it's not going to work now because he's older and he's slower and he needs to be able to break his own rules. Otherwise he's just going to die. Yeah. While trying to Plus it's, all, it's a monster. Come on. Yeah. It's a monster. It's no longer a man. And then we cut to, uh, those, I'm intrigued that uh, it's older than the Lazarus Pit. Like, what? Yeah. What is that all about? That's going to be interesting. I it's, feel like they're going to get into the origins of the, like the material that fills the pit and where it mm-hmm. comes from and what it means. Yeah, I wonder if like does Farstall people like have some ties to Rajah Ghul and all that? Probably like the original. Yeah. Yeah, like the original people who became the League of Assassins, maybe. Um. But that whole thing, too, also that that like cult or whatever or culture, whatever you want to call it, like the group mm-hmm. of people or secret society. It reminds me of like the Court of Owls and yeah. the League of Assassins. Um, that's like another recurring Batman theme is having like these secret societies that no one knew about or St. Dumas, you know, mm-hmm. like the Order mm-hmm. of St. Dumas. Yep. Um, but then we get we cut to Batman doing some detective work here. He's in a little laboratory. He's looking at blood samples under a microscope, his own blood samples, running his own talk screenings and lab results trying to figure out if something has been passed on to him from this wound that he endured from this giant monster. Everything is coming back normal, but then he just, anyways, he just decides to call Dick and have a conversation with Dick while he's out patrolling rooftops in Bloodhaven. And Dick immediately realizes that like Bruce thinks something's wrong with him, that he thinks that something's been passed on, that he's infected in some way, shape or form. Cause he can tell just from like the way he's talking, you I got, know, I got what he's more, talking about. I got the feeling that it's more something he's been concerned about. Like, Wing on his mind for a little while before this fight. Maybe, but then the fact that, like, as soon as he gets hit and right where he gets hit is when he makes that, he makes the comment about him breaking through the suit right away. Mm-hmm. And then when it cuts to him in the in the lab running the blood results, he's touching himself in the same spot in the mm-hmm. ribs where he where the punch hit him and it broke mm-hmm. through the armor. So I feel like there's a connection, but it maybe it's something he's been worrying about for a while, too. I also, like, there's a really small panel right here, right before it shows Bruce running on the treadmill where you see like all these little icons on a screen and all other icons reflect different bad family team members. Yeah. It's so he basically can just like click on an icon that corresponds with their symbol and then be in instant communication with them, which I thought was pretty interesting. Yeah. I'm, I'm liking seeing like the little touches on how like the Batman works and yeah. all the logistics. Well, and then here it's shown that like Nightwing has the same gloves as Batman. So probably everybody on their team wears the same Batman return style gauntlets. Mm where the top of the hand, like the back of the hand, is a little tiny screen that they can use to see each other. Yeah. So that's that's pretty cool, too. So tapping those buttons that correspond to them lights up a screen on the back of their hand that they can use to communicate. Hmm. Right? I thought that was awesome. Um, also, it's just nice seeing, like, Nightwing back in his element, too, not yeah. Dick Grayson, Super Spy, or whatever, like the different random things that they tried to do to him for a while. It's nice that he's just Nightwing. Yeah. Um, no, more, re- no more Rick Grayson. Yeah. It's revealed that Batman has this like weird antique box that he's not quite sure what it is or what it does. Kind of reminiscent of the mother boxes, you know, like in the uh, way yeah. they the mother boxes. I was like, is it otherworldly? But uh... he does say that something quite old, possibly valuable, and that it could come from another time. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he even mentions that it could be alien, but then it cuts to like an immediate sort of like explanation as to where they came from because like the patterning on the ground here at the Svarstall place looks a lot like the patterning on the boxes. Yeah. And then we're introduced to Arzen, who I'm assuming is going to become the villain Mm -hmm. and his mother. And this conversation between them and like the fact that he's like going out to Gotham city with this purpose because he owns the Gotham city. He's the prince of Gotham, if you will, you know, 
it's almost like they're trying to set up another Batman, you know, mm. except the Batman whose parents weren't murdered, who has a more righteous cause, who has a real ownership of the city, yeah, he's you got, know, and isn't afraid to break the rules. Yeah, he's got some kind of, like, ancient right. Right, exactly. And, like, the fact that, like, Catwoman, not Catwoman, but, like, that Dick is having this conversation with him and that Tally's having this conversation with him mm-hmm. about how he's too old to do things this way anymore means I think that's going to be the recurring theme of this is that, like, he's, people are telling him he's too old to do things his way that he needs to be more reckless and like more brutal. And then someone else is going to come in who is the epitome of that. And they're going to be a villain. So I, right? I'm thinking that more, I think that theme might be changed. Cause if you think of, we were, we were looking at the cover earlier, right? Yeah. And it kind of seems like he's going to take on like a new identity. He's going to turn into something else. And then, um, we have, we, we're getting to it, but when the, the thing emerges from that, from Bruce, yeah, like it's like it's it's almost forcing a change, and then we have the uh, Maroni's nephew, who like literally becomes a monster. Yeah. So I think maybe like the theme is just like change is gonna come, whether you like it or not. Right. Either you can can you can take control of it, you know, and like mm-hmm. change for the best, or you become a monster, maybe. Yeah. But yeah, we'll see where it goes because there's a lot of symbolism in, in yeah. this book. I mean, right? that's just me spitballing. No, I think you're probably onto something there. That's making it, that's simplifying it a little bit, but I think that that's probably good because I think they're trying to do a lot of things all at once. Yeah, you I know, mean, this is issue one out of whatever, so they're set, they're throwing a lot of seeds. Yeah. Um, then we see uh, one of the, uh, I, forget, I don't remember what his name is. Let's see if it says it on here. Mr. Gale, one of the couple people who works with Arzen, mm-hmm. who his mother said was already sent to Gotham ahead of time and has been like paving the way for him. And he's basically playing like a penguin type character. You know, he's like a head of some sort of criminal mob. Yeah. Um, but then when people call him out on his shit, he just has them all murdered. Hmm. You know, so he's, he's definitely like a cutthroat. Yeah. Um, and then he just tells them to like clean it up and burn all the bodies and like disguise everything. And this is the panel we were talking about here where Bruce is like napping. And yeah. He like fell asleep in a chair. And then no longer has control of his dreams like he said he does because then he is like awoken slash not awoken He's, like, having a nightmare, but in his dream, it feels like he's awake, where, like, this giant, like, bat hand, humanoid bat hand comes through his chest, and then the whole bat creature sort of, like, emerges from his body and starts having a conversation with him. Not unlike Batman Ego, where he's having oh, yeah. a conversation <coughs> with I need to reread kid. that. Yeah. Um, but this creature refers to itself as Barbatos, or if not refers to itself as Barbatos, it says Barbatos. It nails in the deep, because it's it's referring to like the bat demon Barbatos, which was in dark Knight's death metal and stuff like that. Mm. It's probably not a direct reference to that, but it's not the first time that they've mentioned that there's like some dark bat God that like speaks to Bruce, mm. you know, or like speaks to his subconscious maybe, you know, and that's why he like utilizes that imagery. And then he wakes up from his dream and there's like a music box sitting on the counter and it starts playing music. And while like this little boy dances with a skeleton on top of it, which I have no idea where that's going, but I think it has. It might have something to do with Sparstall and it probably and does. Them. Like, or maybe it's like a dance with death. You know, maybe it's that maybe. simple because yeah. he's about to have his dance with death as he tries to fight this other, like, vigilante character who he sees as a villain who sees himself as the better version of Batman. Maybe it does kind of maybe it also remind me of uh, Azrael. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Though that one was Azrael's he- from Saint Dumas, right? I think yeah, 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 and and like, but Azrael he brought into the fold, and this is like something that's gonna happen, right? Whether he likes it or not, and he's got to deal with it. Yeah, I definitely see shades of Court of Owls, 
in there. Like, we'll see how far it goes in that direction. I definitely see Azrael in there, mm-hmm. you know, again. Like, and even this outfit that he's holding on the cover here, this, like, weird alternative bat suit, it's red. Azrael mm-hmm. wears red. Yeah. You know, and Anarchy. I see Anarchy in there, too. Because mm. all those characters are that sort of, like, other vigilante from somewhere else coming to save Gotham type of character. Even um, Henry Ducard slash um, Rachel Ghoul was played off that way in Batman Begins for a while. He was, yeah. Yeah. Well, we already have the next issue, so we're going to try to record that episode hopefully next week. I'm really looking forward to seeing where this goes. So Should be fun. You might know. We don't know as of this recording, but we'll get there. Thank you so much for listening. This is Tom. And I'm Mike. And you're listening to Become a Bat. Later, guys. Bye.